Thanks for listening to the Women Emerging podcast. Every week we put up a new episode with insights into leadership, practical leadership, seen through the eyes of women leaders of all ages and all sectors from right across the world. Our aim is for women to be able to say, if that's leadership, I'm in. Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast and join Women Emerging on our website, womenemerging.org. That's womenemerging.org for more fabulous free leadership content. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Julia Middleton here, Director of Women Emerging and your podcast host. This is the fourth episode in this series that are about essence. As we completed the expedition, one of the things that we were absolutely clear on was that essence is at the heart of women's leadership. And what is essence? It's the sort of, it's the sort of, it's it's the circle at the middle of the concentric circles, and in that circle are all the the pieces that make us us, that shape us, that are at the heart of who we are, but in the context of who we are as leaders. Three weeks ago, Aparna talked about the fact that sacred, the sacred was in right at the heart of her leadership in her essence. Two weeks ago, Katrina talked about the body and how you can't you can't lead without the proper relationship with your body. You can't just lead from your neck upwards. Last week, Anna Luge talked to us about nature and the fact that women are deeply rooted in nature. And she, she introduced me to a concept called the infinite game, which fascinated me. This week, we're talking to Melissa, and she is going to talk to us about motherness, which I suspect is very much in the essence of women's leadership. This week, I'm going to talk more slowly. Why? Because Melissa does. Don't don't confuse it. Don't confuse the moments of silence with um, rambling. There's nothing rambling about this episode. It's just, I think, enormously thoughtful. And Melissa's talking about motherness, and we'll explain what we mean by motherness in a minute. But... Melissa's talking about motherness and it's 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 not a coincidence that she's talking and she isn't one of the women who are on the expedition who has children of her own. Though like many leaders they have motherness at in in their essence. Um their motherness doesn't necessarily show up in having biological children. But motherlessing, if there's such a word, which I'm absolutely sure there, there isn't a word called motherness and there isn't a word called motherlessing either. So you just have to forgive us. But, you know, motherness isn't just about having your own biological children. It's about caring for others in the way that motherness frames it. And also, looking back to last week's episode, 
to using your motherness to care for the planet, for nature, for the world that surrounds us. So it's a broad definition. And let me leave, let me, let me leave Melissa to laugh at the word motherness, but also to explain it and most importantly, illustrate it. Melissa, motherhood. Nah, we didn't like the word motherhood. <laughs> and, and we sort of went round loads of words, but we ended up with motherness. Yeah. Which is a fabricated word. Created. We are going to Excellent. claim it. Motherness. And I think everybody in the room felt that um, it was an essential part of women's leadership. And why do you think we landed on the word motherness? I think that there's probably an element of everyone present that just liked to create new things. <laughs> there is some truth in that. You know, Especially so, new words. Mm, new words, new words. <laughs> have meaning that is going to expand to fill it, right? And, you know, I mean, I guess motherness, like togetherness, um, is that quality of being... Um, what? Like, I would say like a mother. I mean, I think the difference, maybe if you just contrast the word together and togetherness and mother and motherness, I mean, together is kind of a state in some ways, right? It's a... It's a it's a descript- but it's a descriptor. And I think mother, see, what really perplexed me was you asked the person who isn't a biological mother to talk about mothering or motherness. But I think the idea was that there was a quality that is maybe most viscerally and almost universally experienced by women um, that is a quality that gets imbued, engendered um, into leadership that women carry or that many women carry. But actually, you know, I was thinking about it. I think many, I think there are men who carry motherness too. Yes, so do I. You know? It's interesting, isn't it? You, You know, I was, I was thinking about this so much last night because I knew we were going to have this conversation. <laughs> I don't know why everybody avoids this conversation. I suspect part of it is because it's so difficult to grasp, to, to, to name, to shape, to everything. But I was thinking, you know, I'm very conscious that either, even though my children are now in their 30s, mm. when things get really tough... Sometimes they phone me, and I'm conscious it really doesn't matter what I say. I could read the telephone directory. Yeah. And but your presence. It's the voice, I think. Mm. But, but what's interesting, and I think this will resonate with you, is that I now find I do exactly the same thing with my own 94-year-old mother. Mm. I'm conscious that mm. my voice... Um, especially when she's being at her most outrageous, um, 
which I suppose you're allowed to be when you're 94, but, yes. um, you know, you have an ability to your voice. And so just to, to come back to the point, I think it is actually quite important that it's you talking about this, because I don't think it's just about having your own biological children. I think it's about having other people's <laughs> biological children around you. Um, it's it's mothering other generations, and it's also mothering the earth. Yeah. I think that the the essence of the quality is is almost approaching the world and approaching others as if they were your children. And I know that might sound like a a huge and impossible leap, but but I've always I've, I've, I've always felt that actually that's the basis of, of my action and, and, and whatever I do. I, I do it as if you were my blood. Yeah. Um, and you do it differently if I was a baby or if I was a toddler absolutely. or if I was a teenager yeah. or if I was in my 20s or in my 30s or indeed in a my stranger. 60s. Or in my <laughs> 60s though too, isn't yeah. it? So it's not that it's a sort of so it's adaptive. It's yeah, it's responsive right. and adaptive in that in that sense, right? But ultimately built on the proposition that the other person matters more than you. Yeah. That your focus is on their well-being, that your focus is on them being and becoming their best. I think that's 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 something that I, I entirely stand for. Um, and I know that even in, I mean, because I work with so many kids who have been in broken homes and difficult transitions, that not everybody really has, has that, you know, and nobody's to blame. Really, this is not a, I never see it as a blame game. I mean, the child who complains about her mother beating her, if she asks her mother how she grew up, she was probably also beaten. Yeah. You know, it, it's blame and, and trying to point the finger and things like that is just, I mean, doesn't really go anywhere. But, you know, when one's able to uh, approach approach the situation then with, with, with empathy and, and say it is what it is and, and how do we now choose to be going forward? Um, with the emphasis on choose. Yeah, absolutely. You know, our pasts are our past, but they don't determine our futures. So, yeah, I mean, you know, people, I, I was thinking about this too. I mean, I, I thought in my 40s, I'm like, okay, well, this is probably my last chance at, you know, having, having a biological kid, although I did read about a woman in the newspaper who had a kid at 50. <laughs> <laughs> but I just thought, mm, I'm not really sure that's really about... I mean, some people have a very strong sense of wanting to have their own biological child. I actually never had that. But I think that sense of wanting to care for and um, look out for, to, to nurture and to raise up, I think, um, other people, I think maybe that's the quality of motherness. Because if I named it, the truth is, if I said to the 24 women who've been on this expedition, who has been 
the most mother figure on this expedition, they would without doubt talk about the fact that you're always anticipating what people want to eat <laughs> and recognising that they'll want to eat different things and bringing to get people together around food and letting them think that it's just food even though it's something much bigger than that. Well, food, 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 I mean, there's a reason why comfort and food often go together, right? <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah, there's a reason why we have hangry people. So, you know, it, there, there is an emotional <laughs> side, I think, to that. And, and, and just feeling, and just knowing that someone cares about what's in your lunch box or whatever right I mean it gets to gets to be like that and Anna Cook has constantly been using the word visibility mm. that's an essential part of it isn't it she used a word actually she contrasts visibility with something else which do you remember what that was it was in her son poem yes Visibility is not exposure. That was very... That was typically Anna, <laughs> beautifully put. It has to be said, sometimes she says things and I think, I don't know what she means. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> but on that one, so how do you make people visible without making people... Feel exposed. Feel exposed. Or, or, or feeling that they need to expose themselves to be visible to be visible right i mean how does one be quietly visible how does one be quietly present i mean i think that maybe that's maybe that's that quality too where you where you care about people's needs concerns issues hankerings um. <laughs> but it's, it's equally do you not think that I mean maybe motherness helped us out of this also this thing that you know if you use the word motherhood you get all these gentle soft sweet words that all sort of in a honey form pour out of people's mouths motherhood yeah mm. but motherness is not just those sweet sounds is it it's it's also, you know, don't cross, don't cross a mother. Yeah. <laughs> Your mother will tell you what to do. <laughs> absolutely. They'll beat you to the ground. So if Your you mother will establish out, the boundaries. Your mother will establish the boundaries, but also will be brutal if, you, if anybody threatens you. Mm -hmm. Now, this is all a sort of idealistic view, and, and we've, you know... We've been seen, trying to grasp the linkages... Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And um, so if that's right, how does motherness show up in leaders? How does motherness show up in leaders? I think what first comes to me is this idea that to lead... There is, there is always some kind of an enabling environment. Um, 
and that enabling environment may be highly supportive and overtly so, or that enabling environment may actually be quite challenging. Um, but even in the challenge, there is some there is some base foundation upon which you then build. And I think motherness, in a sense, is about creating those conditions um, and that environment that enables someone to thrive. I mean, I think that was one of the things that Aparna had mentioned too, which, which struck me too, that it's, it's about creating, because they talked about different skills, right? The different skills that had been associated with, with motherness. Um, but then there was also an action which was creating the conditions that enabled people to thrive. And I feel like that is a huge part of leadership, is creating those conditions. It's not doing it for them. It's not telling them what to do, necessarily. But creating the conditions where people find it within themselves to enact, to try, to take, to take that action. And when have you put that into practice? Give us an example. Creating the conditions? Mm. Mm. Well, I think of... Um, <laughs> I think of my, my, my current um, home, actually. I, I mean, in, in, in Queenstown, Singapore. Um, I, I felt choosing to live in a, in a mixed-income neighborhood um, where people didn't necessarily connect, where there wasn't necessarily a care for the public spaces, um, where there wasn't necessarily a strong connection to the to the place or each other. Um, moving there and opening opening the home, opening the house in a sense. Um, Inquiring of others what their strengths and interests um, were, uh, finding and listening hard to them. Yeah, answers. like I mean, who who are you? Hi, by the way, I'm your neighbor. You know, like tell me a little bit about what you know about what you love about the neighborhood. Um, you know, what do you what do you do? What do you like to do? Um, and finding ways in which their their interests and talents could be shared not just with me you know but in a sense with me to others um and and that's been i mean that's been the intent is to actually build the community so that it's not just melissa running activities and programs in her home you know it's very much more people who've actually lived there for decades and never said a word to each other now knowing one another knowing about each other's families, knowing, knowing, knowing what they love to do. So if, so if my neighbor loves to, loves to cook and, you know, he's only able to have a job two days a week, you know, doing that, how could we, how could we share his food with other people who could then maybe start ordering from him and, and get a little mini catering business going? You know, I mean, it's things like that. It's like, how, how, how can those possibilities be, be birthed? Um, through just creating the space where people's gifts and talents were discovered and then shared with one another. I mean, I, I think that 
And there's a lot of sitting and eating and laughing around a table that just made all of that possible. So that, in a sense, is a, you know, creating the conditions for um, others to find their voice, others to find their, their place, um, to find others who, with whom they resonate. Did you use food there? Oh, there's a lot of food. <laughs> <laughs> I have like the I have the most war like you know war ready pantry. It's like kind of ridiculous. What's in the pantry? What kind of food? Oh, um, so I have I have everything. So you have to have like the stock of of starchy staples. So there's the rice noodles, um, you know, piece that's 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 in there. Um, then you have a variety of different sort of like sauce bits and condiments that can kind of be assembled. I have, that's this is dry goods section, right? I also always have like a ready stuff, because I have, I mean, we have, we, have, um, we have a lot of Muslims who live in my neighborhood too. So, you know, the Chinese like to eat pork, the Muslims aren't gonna touch pork, you know, so finding a way to, 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 to have food that caters to everybody, <laughs> I think is one other part of it, you know, so making sure there's a, I don't eat, I don't do a lot of tinned type of foods, but you know, sometimes bits of it help. And then, and then there's, there's always a lot of wine and soda and everything else there too. And if you left the community, <laughs> would that culture continue? You know, I, having just left an organization, I feel like the succession and 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 um succession is always important i i i don't plan to leave the community um but i i i don't believe that community can or should ever be built around a single person and so and so the most important thing is actually raising up a a core with common values and a common sense of what we want to see in our neighborhood and and ensuring that we're constantly bringing in new and different people into the mix and so i I have to say that we're a year into it and um and i don't actually show up at every i don't show up at every saturday that we do our things and uh and that's been great because it never should be about a single person and a mother ness is that isn't it it's sort of built in redundancy yeah and you know, I mean, I, I think no, know, not quite redundancy, perhaps. No, but it's 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 built in evolution. Yeah, it's built in letting letting the chicks fly, or the, the, the you know, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> knowing that they'll knowing that they'll go right. Yeah, my mother always used to complain. She's like, you know, children never came with an instruction manual. But um, but I think I think that's what, in a sense, motherness is figuring out what to do despite that. So. That is a fantastic story. Give me another story where you brought the motherness into an organization you were leading. I mean, go back yeah. to the corporate world, well, if you like. Just go go to, to lots. You've been in yeah. all kinds of different organizations. You know, actually, the one, the one thing that really, in my last role, I think I was the only CEO who ever hugged people. Um... <laughs> and and initially people were like, why is she touching me? Absolutely. You know, and I and then I had to kind of apologize because I'm you know a, a very touchy feely person, um, and then I needed to be better at reading when somebody didn't want to be touched, and I you know really had to 
take note. Um, but I, I think actually through, through the pandemic, most leaders realized that they needed to connect with motherness. Um, the pandemic was so disorienting and so difficult for many people. Uh, and I think certainly for diverse workforces, I think where everybody was a professional and everybody got to stay home and watch lots of TV and, and do high school reunions and order lots of different food, I mean, you're probably okay. But, um, you know, if you have a very diverse workforce where, you know, home isn't a safe place necessarily or home isn't a spacious place, um, where you're not used to seeing the same people 24 seven, um, but you're, you're in a sense, um, your hectic schedule of being out all the time is, is holding your life in balance. And when everybody is then at home, just a very different dynamic can occur. And I think if you had workforces where that was true, the leader didn't need to be the person who was necessarily just communicating updates and policies and, you know, new changes or whatever else it was into people's work lives. Actually, the leader at that point needed to be the person with with the people. I mean, exp- giving voice to their own, to their suffering or to their difficulties um, and and really creating spaces for people who were having difficulties to to, to be able to come forth. So I, I, I mean, I was kind of joking the other day that, you know, I felt like through COVID I became the chief mental health officer. Um, and I, I, I'd create um, times once a week where people could just drop in and check in. I mean, there's the regular routine stuff which you want all your leaders to be doing with all of their people. But, you know, as, 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 the, as the chief executive, actually just, and as the hugging chief executive, right? I mean, creating, creating that space once, in a, once a week to actually even just teach people mindfulness, just mindfulness exercises. And, you know, they didn't need to turn on their camera. That's not a big deal, you know, it just just drop in. And that's what motherness is, isn't it? Yeah, it's saying, it's okay, you can tell me anything. Can you overdo motherness? <laughs> I'm sure, like anything else, really. I mean, you know, what, what, what's the word that sometimes gets connected with mother is smother, right? Yes, no, that's right, right isn't it? It's the smothering yeah. mothering yes cloying you know that sort of yeah like in your business all the time no space no air interfering yeah you know i think i think you know do we could we could we do that yeah it's possible but again why does that happen i think it happens because we 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 are no longer conscious of someone else as the focus and their boundary we're we're just focused on ourselves and, and our intent or or or, or and our, need, our preference or whatever. Or our need to be needed. Yeah. Yeah, it could be. It could be too. It could be too. It does feel like it's somewhere at the heart of leadership. Women's leadership. Thank you so, so much, Melissa. My mind is gently going round. There are so many words that you've used that 
that stick, that stick big time. <laughs> I, I remember we recorded two episodes. I think it was episodes 46 and 47 that were about, we hadn't discovered the word motherness then, they were about mothering. We had on 46, we had Rachel and Myrna talking about what you learn about leadership when you've got small children. And the 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 enduring memory is is the image of Rachel standing with a screaming child in a shower as he quietly calmed down. There was no water coming out of the shower, but just just the ingenuity of standing in a shower, who would have thought it? And that meaning that your child, your baby, stopped crying. Though you'd spent probably the whole morning trying to find other more traditional ways of doing it. And then we had, on 47, we had Samia and Zaba. And, and I think my enduring memory is very much, is very much Saba talking to us about how, how mother-ness might appear to be all about warm and honeyed words, but it's also about being tough and sometimes quite fierce. And how she she reframed the naughty chair for her two lovely sons. She didn't have a naughty chair when they'd been outrageous. She had a thinking corner, which... Um, anyhow, she talked to us about it. So the, there is, without doubt, so much learning... Um, from motherness into leadership. I'm interested in this word visible. Maybe motherness causes other people to always know that they will be visible, at least to you, and how important that visibility is, and actually how important it is when it's absent, if you don't have that, that gift of somebody who who gives you their motherness. Uh, visibility, I thought, was an extraordinary word. And, and Melissa's very clear, isn't she, that um, the motherness is about creating an environment in which others thrive. And leadership is exactly the same. Whether you're doing it to your biological children or to the people around you. So yes, motherness, weird word. Um, but maybe quite a useful word. Maybe it breaks us away from the word mother, mothering. I think it might helpfully break us away from that. Because certainly at the beginning I was very uncomfortable about mothering and motherhood. Somehow they felt very excluding words, very, very excluding words. So anyhow, I leave you with these, what, episodes. This is episode 53, and we had episode 46 and 47 with Rachel in the shower and Saba in her thinking corner, or having sent somebody to her thinking corner. But I think I will add to it um, Melissa making food and being the hugging chief executive. I'd like to be described one day as the hugging chief executive. I'm not surprised that Melissa was called that. Anyhow, lots of love. 
next week, another piece of essence. Look forward to it. Love, Julia. To become part of our movement and share your thinking with us, subscribe to the podcast and join the Women Emerging group on our website at womenemerging.org. We love all of the messages you send us. Keep them coming.